Even though I keep many calendars, sometimes I miss things. Many of you, uh, I've been here long enough to know that um, I've been here long enough to to know that many of you have I have missed meetings with you, whether it was a counseling session or a coffee uh, uh, a time with coffee at Tim Hortons. Uh, those things, um, if I if I'm not careful, I miss those things. Now, for the most part, everybody's pretty understanding about that, and. Uh, but there are some things that we don't want to miss, right? Okay. Um, one time I missed a wedding. The one that I was supposed to perform. <laughs> that, was, that was a tough one. Now, when I say I missed it, I was late. They, and, I, and some of you know this story, but uh, I remember um, uh, I tried to get this young couple. Uh, as a Navy chaplain, I was always doing lots of weddings. I, I remember my, the most I did was three in a day. It seemed like a lot. Boom, boom, and, and these were people I mostly didn't know. So this couple came to me in November and they said, we want to do it on the 1st of January. I'm thinking, please don't let's not do it on the 1st of January. Because it's right at the, the heels of, of Christmas and all the things. And, and in the military, you have stand downs during that time. And, and we, we, but they insisted. I said, okay. So it was my fault because I said okay, and uh, first of first of January. What's you know January first? I'm sitting there eating ham, like a ge- good Gentile, right? <laughs> on, on, uh, on on New Year's Day, and the phone rings, and that and basically it's an hour beyond when the wedding was supposed to be. So I had to get down. I had to go down there and creep into the chapel. Fulfill, the, do the wedding, and face all those people who were out there. They had stayed, and um, and then slink home. Can I can I use that terminology? Slink home, and it was like five years bef- before I could not think of that and not have this drop in the pit of my stomach. So I learned, even though even today I miss some things, but I don't miss weddings. Now. Uh, we've been talking about the stories of Jesus or the parables of Jesus. Again, a parable is a story that's told that has, usually has a deeper meaning. And what we find in the scriptures, what we find in the scriptures is that Jesus uh, told a lot of parables. But in the, the essence of the, of the parable, the essence of, the, of, of, of what he was teaching in the parables was who he was and what he was, you know, the, the essence of his teachings were there. Okay. When he, talked about, when he talked about a man that had two sons, he was talking about faithfulness and the love of God, and he was talking about how sometimes people backslide and, and then come back and how God is when they return. When he, when he talked about uh, uh, the, the, the vineyard and, and how that, uh, the, the master spent all this money and built a vineyard and, and did all this work and then hired people to, to take care of it and then went away on a trip... He was telling them about how faithless Israel was. Okay? There's, so the essence of, of God's teachings, of, of who he is and, and what he wants us to know, were there, are, are there in the, in the parables for us. Um, today, one eye open. That's just my, my, my little uh, tag for, for where we're going to go. One eye open. When you think of one eye open, what, what, do, you, what do you think of? 
okay? Um, you think of readiness, right? I remember when we lived in Italy, there were a lot of, uh, in, that, in that community, there's 20% unemployment back in the, and, uh, and that had to do with the culture. And you had gypsies, that, uh, that, that was a whole, you might say, a population that lived kind of like a subculture within Italy, and they couldn't be employed, so they were expected kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, to, to steal and make their living and not get caught. As they get caught, they had to do this. So I remember we were in a, uh, we were in a marketplace, and I'm, you, know, you, you know that you've got pickpockets everywhere. And I remember we were there, and a little old man was standing off to one side. I looked at him, and he made eye contact with me, and he did this. Now, he wasn't being gross. What he was saying is, they're here. The pickpockets are here. One eye open. Readiness. Readiness. Okay? And that's how it was. That's how it was there. And there are some things we need, to, we need not to be caught flat-footed on. Okay? You understand what I mean by that? And when it comes to scriptures, when it comes to end times, this passage, the, this, this sermon today is kind of about the end times. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some stuff with that, this tonight. By the way, we do have a service tonight, 6 p.m. Be there. Where I'm, I'm going to kind of do a continuation. I'd like to touch on the 70, on the 70 weeks uh, in, that we find in Daniel. And, um, and we'll talk about some end time things. I'm not an expert there. I'm usually, as a pastor, I'm, I'm usually wrestling with, okay, uh, be nice to your wife. Okay? Pay your tithes. Okay? Don't lie to people. Yeah? You know, kind of the basic things of, of life. Now, pray and find God's presence, God's power, God's spirit. Yeah? That's where I live most of the time. So uh, I, don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time when I, uh, to, to look at. I know it's an interest, an area of interest. When we talk about end times, we talk about, okay, what will be the signs of your coming? And we're looking at, at the world today, and we're watching CNN, and we're almost like day traders. Tick, tick. Oh, bye. <laughs> but the truth is, is we're going to miss it if we, if we get that close to it. God's got a bigger picture. And you'll see what his instructions to you are and to me in the midst of end time stuff. End time stuff. And, and the instructions aren't all that strange. And they're not that hard. I remember a few, a few years ago when the bottom began to fall out in our economy. And there was a lot of fear. I prayed and I sought God. I, not that I'm, that, that I'm the big prophet or anything, but I said, I can hear God. Do you have something to say to us, Lord? What do I say to the people here as we, we hear this, all this, this negative stuff coming and fear and, and, the, and the markets are, are, are dumping? And I, what do I say to the people? Do I need to say anything? And he simply said, don't worry. I got you. And the truth is it's been kind of that way. Uh, it's, it's kind of been that way. Now, uh, we've lived, and, you know, I'm looking out uh, over the congregation. I only see a few people who could use a meal, an extra meal. But I think that's by, by, by I said, Pastor, don't. Just don't go there, right? Okay? In other words, we're, God's taking care of your, his people. Okay? And some of the fear wasn't warranted. I'm not saying it wasn't serious, but even in the midst of serious situations, there is a place of peace that you can have. And if God says to you, look, don't worry, I got your back. It's going to be tough, but you're going to come through it. Because I'm faithful. And I own the cattle on a thousand hills. 
The beef, the cattle, everything's mine. The gold's mine. I can give it to whoever I want. End times. Always an interesting subject. What are the signs? When will Jesus return? I want to be ready. Mark the 13th chapter. Most of the time, I'm in, I like Matthew 24, but I've chosen to, to go to a, a parallel passage, which is Mark the 13th. I'm just going to read here, and I'm, I'm going to highlight some things, and maybe stop along the way, and I'll keep an eye on the clock and make sure that I get you the things that, you, that I think that you need to have today in, in relation to this passage of Scripture. Now, the context here is that Jesus has, uh, in, in the history and the life of Jesus, he's, he's near the end of his three years of ministry. He has been walking and talking and doing miracles for three years, all, all in Israel, okay? And uh, so Palm Sunday comes, and you know, the, here comes Jesus riding on the donkey. Down the hill he goes, goes in and cleanses the temple for the second time. For the second time, it's there. And then as he's, he's looking around, he's coming out. And it says, as he was going out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Teacher, behold, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Look at this beautiful place, they're saying. And Jesus said to him, Do you not see these great buildings? Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another which will not be torn down. Okay. You know, talk about raining on my parade. But Jesus is saying these things. And, as he, and later on, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew were questioning him privately. Tell us then, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are going to be fulfilled? And Jesus, now I want you to pay particular attention here. And Jesus began to say to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Okay? Here, these are the instructions. This is not what they asked. But this is what Jesus is telling them. You ever get that, you ever get that kids? You ask, you ask one question, and your parents kind of start with something else. They don't answer you directly. And here's Jesus. See that no one misleads you. And, but he's telling them. He's giving them the picture of how the end time will unfold. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and will mislead many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be, affri- do not be frightened, for those things must take place. But, the, but that is not yet the end. Okay? Two instructions so far. See, see to it that no one misleads you. Do not be frightened. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. There will be earthquakes in various places, and there will also be famines. These things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Be on your guard. For they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel will, must first be preached to all the nations. Now he's laying this thing out. And, they will, and when they arrest you and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and, father, and, and a father his child, and children will rise up against their parents and have them put to death. That's pretty, that's pretty dark. You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of the desolation standing where it should, be, should, should not be, 
let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Okay, now, the abomination of the desolation, people say, what in the world is that? Okay, Daniel spoke of it. And in truth, this has happened once before. This is the kind of thing, if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a student of the Bible, you'll find that there's a rep- repetition in this. There's not only a repetition of, 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 of what God is doing in the lives of his people, there's always a repetition of how we respond to him. Yeah. If you've read through the, the Old Testament, you'll find that you have a kinship with a lot of those people back there, right? Sometimes you find that you do the same kind of dumb stuff. Okay? I mean, did David invent adultery? No, I don't think he did, and it wasn't the end. You know? That kind of stuff still happens today, right? Good people who never intended to mess up, but mess up. So you see through the scriptures, there's repetition. And you find that, that... that the truth is, when we talk about the abomination of desolation, that's, it's referred to also in Matthew, the 24th chapter. Uh, and, and it was spoken of in Daniel, the 9th chapter. He says, it says, he will confirm a covenant with many for seven. In the middle of a seven, he will put an end to the sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of the temple... He will set up the abomination that causes desolation until, uh, until the end that is decreed. Now, in 16, no, 167 B.C. Now, this is for, for, for us people who want to hear these kind of details. Um, there's somebody here who wants to hear this. In 167 B.C., a Greek ruler by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes set up an altar to Zeus over the altar of the burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. He also sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple of Jerusalem. And that event is known as the abomination of desolation. Now, and you say, well, this is talking about this. No, Jesus is speaking of this 200 years after this. Okay? So we see that in the future, these kinds of things are going to happen, and this is going to happen again. Okay? And you, can, and you can read the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, if you just go back to the book of Daniel and some of those other places. All right? It says, and then and picking back up in, 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 the, in Mark, the 13th chapter, he says, the one, the one who is on the housetop must not go down or go, into, go in to get anything out of the house. But the one who is in the field must, must, turn, but must not turn back to get his coat. But woe unto those who are pregnant, those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that it doesn't happen in winter. For those days will be, a time, will be a time of tribulation such as not occurred since the beginning of creation, which God created until now and never will. Talks about the, the, the sun darkened, the moon not giving its light, the stars will be falling, and it says, and then the heavens shaken. He says, then, then, they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. Now, that's a reference to what we call the rapture. See? Essentially, what's going on here, and I know that there, there's, there's some people who would contest this, but essentially... Jesus is going, before he pours out his wrath upon the world that we see in in the book of Revelation, in the seven vials and all of those things, he is going to pull his people out. 
It's called the rapture of the church. We see this pattern that God's... Now, when we think, when we think of t- uh, tribulation and difficult times, okay, we've got to be able to differentiate between the great tribulation and simply tribulation. The great tribulation is God's punishment on the earth. And he has said over and over and very clearly that his, that, that punishment, this wrath has not been reserved for his people. Hallelujah. See? So we have to be able to, to, to discern the difference there between tribulation and difficult times and, and the great tribulation. I think people confuse that. That's why they, they, they think, well, you know, he's going to come after the tribulation. Just because life is tough right now doesn't mean you're in the great tribulation. Does, I'm not minimalizing, minimizing the, the importance and, and, and the, the, the focused uh, pain that someone might be feeling. I mean, if you go to Indonesia, they're, they're burning churches right now and killing Christians. You go to Egypt, it's happening again. Those things are happening. Tough times are happening t- today in many countries. It's not just that, uh, that, that our own country and, and it's becoming more and more a, 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 a hostile place for Christianity. This is simply happening in, in greater degrees in different terms all over the world. I believe this is part of the, the end that's, that's coming. I'm not going to tell you what the day is. I don't know what the day is. All right? The scripture tells us uh, that, that, in fact, gives us warnings not to, not to begin to, to even focus on those things because God knows the day and the hour. He says, but take heed, I have told you everything in advance. He says, false prophets will come and there'll be signs. The, the, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of the, uh, that, that are in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and will gather the, together his elect from the four winds and from the farthest end of the earth and from the farthest end of heaven. Now learn the parable... From the fig tree, when its branch is already to, uh, is, has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you will know that summer is near. Even so, too, you too, when you see these things happening, recognizing that he is near, right at the door. I'm not going to read all the, pa- the rest of the passage, but you find throughout the passage at least three more times his instructions are simply to be alert, to be alert. Okay. Notice that he didn't, in, in, in any of his instructions here, in this passage of Scripture, if you will kind of dissect this and look at this and read this, you will find that, that the kinds of things he is saying to the church is, is, keep your eyes open, be alert, be alert, I'll take care of you, that kind of stuff. See? So, you know, I recognize that, that oftentimes we wonder, what, what can we do? What, what will we do? God's got everything in control, even though it looks like it's reeling out of control. And it's certainly happening in ways that we don't want it to happen. God's got things in control. Now, here are the instructions. Uh, when it says, be alert, okay? I'm not going to be long today. I'm almost at the end. How about that? And it says, woohoo, somebody said. It says, nothing... <laughs> Every, <laughs> there's, never, there's no such thing as a bad short sermon, right? <laughs> the instructions were be, to be alert. Now, and, and, and when we hear those instructions, and this is where I want to kind of uh, pound a little bit deeper. 
When we hear those instructions, why does he say over and over in this passage of Scripture, I don't want anyone to mislead you, be alert. Over and over and over he says these things. Okay? We have a tendency to sometimes walk at a safe distance from God. Or we think it's a safe distance. It's actually, it's, it's, a, it's an unsafe distance from God. And, you know, how life is, tough times bring us to a place where, you know, I was speaking yesterday. Let me back up and say this. I was speaking yesterday and I was pressing the people uh, under that little cabana. And uh, honestly, I think that sometimes we want our cake and eat it too. What I mean by that is we want the world and we want God too. We have even developed theologies that give us the world and God. Okay? We want, we want, we want salvation. We want all the, all the perks and all of, the, of the, the joys of salvation without any of the, of the you might say, that, that which comes from simply delivering ourselves to God and say, do with me what you will. I know we all kind of fight that from time to time because in spite of us giving ourselves to God, we're not sure what he's gonna, that we're going to like what he's going to do with us. I've known of young people, I remember hearing the pre- this kind of preaching years and years ago. There were many of us who were not married and stuff, and we were kind of, we were, many of us were thinking, boy, you know, we're hope. we don't want to be unholy, okay? But we were saying, well, I'd kind of like to get married, experience marriage and that, re- that kind of relationship uh, before he comes. I wonder if he's going to come and he's, uh, you know, that those are the kind of things people do. Will I begin, will he come? I mean, am I going to feel bad because I want to experience something of this life? I'm, I'm, I'm 19, I'm 17, I'm 16. There are things I'm looking forward to. What if he comes and, and all of those dreams, all those ex- expectations, I mean, we wrestle with these kinds of things, right? There are times I said, Jesus, I don't want you to come just right now. There's work to be done. There's people who need you. I know so, I'm looking out over the congregation, I see people who, who just, you know, if, if you came today, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't go. If the rapture came today, if Jesus, if you showed up in the clouds, they'd be left here. Because they're still playing. Still not just kind of like giving themselves to you. They're religious enough, but they're not there. The instructions to be alert. There are many of us walk, walk uh, who walk a distance from God. Quite frankly, tough times that come, from, uh, that come into our lives give us an opportunity to make decisions, don't they? I mean, how many of us, and we hear the world saying this, but the church says this too, when difficult things happen, we say, well, wait a second, I didn't sign up for this pain wagon. And if God is who he said he is, how come this? God, where were you? I mean, don't, you, don't we hear this over and over and over? There's a natural tendency. The reason why he's saying, saying to us again and again, be on the alert, there's a natural tendency in us. It's one of, uh, of those experiences in life uh, when we grow weary. Maybe we're empty spiritually. And we say, what's the use in trusting in God? Okay. I mean, am I, am I, certainly am I, am I saying things that no one has experienced before? 
When, when, when devastation visits your home, things that, that were so over the edge that shake the very foundations of, 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 of who you are and all your expectations, all you wanted. I understand that we would cry out to God and say, God, where are you now? Where are you in the middle of this? Now, now, whenever we come to those kind of things, it's a crossroad in our lives. We can decide to turn right or left. Do you understand that? We can say, God, you know, everything I believed in you, I don't believe anymore, and walk our own way. And some people have done that. Or we can say, God, you know, I'm hurting like, like you don't know what. I'm hurting, I'm hurting inside. And I don't know what the future, I don't know what's next. But I know that you love me. <laughs> the last time I checked, I remember when you reached down and touched my heart. I remember when you healed my body. I remember when you saved me. I remember when you brought light to my eyes. I remember those times. I remember when you healed me. I remember when you made all things right. I remember when I was praying about this thing or that thing with my husband, my wife, my children, and you came through. I don't understand this situation I'm in now, God, but I know that you love me. I see evidence of your, your activity and your work in my life all in the past, God, right now, but I'm hurting, but I'm going to... I'm going to just lean on what you've done. I'm going to lean on what you've told me that I know to be true. I'm going to lean on that and just trust you to see me through, to help me to make sense of the horror that's, that's come into my life. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you because you have been trustworthy. I don't understand it now, but I know that I know that I know. That in the past you've never let me, let, never let me down. There's a natural tendency yet to let up. Why does he keep saying, be on the alert? Perhaps if your understanding of Jesus and the Christian life doesn't include the knowledge of the suffering of God, the, the constant conflict of righteousness and evil, you're just, you say, well, wait a second. I thought Christianity was supposed to be a field of black-eyed Susans and daisies and stuff like that. And this is not it at all. I mean, God must, I mean, that's, that's, that's like, that's really surface stuff. But many of us are there. He says, be on the alert. When difficult times come, when evil floods the world, it says in Matthew, the 24th chapter, verses 12 and 13, it says, and he's speaking of these times because Matthew 24 is a parallel passage here. It says, because lawlessness or sin or wickedness has increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Okay, did you catch that? I mean, we could, we could almost take a snapshot of any time in, in history. But let's take a snapshot of our time in history. Has wickedness increased? In our world. How about just in our community? Yes. How about in our nation? Yes. You know, I, you know I'm against abortion. You know I'm against it. 
I believe God's against it. We kill, we're killing. We're killing a, a I, I don't even know, I can't remember the, the numbers anymore. 55 million. 55 million since Roe versus, since Roe versus 55 million. That's a pile. That's a pile of babies. Wickedness has increased. Wickedness has increased. And, and you know what? Your, your response is just like I said before. It could be one way or to the other. You know, it's like, it says, okay, God, where are you? Or you can understand that there's a spiritual battle going forward. And the prize is humanity. Satan is here. Devils are here. All of these things are taking place. And there's a fight that's going on. You say, well, why doesn't God stop it? When was the last time he stopped you when you chose to do the wrong thing? That's how God deals with us. When was the last time he, he just stopped you? When you chose to sin. When you knew the right way to go. The Holy Spirit was there just kind of knocking on the door. And you just, did he stop you? That's the world we live in. It's the world we live in. Because lawlessness is increased, many, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. So, so people are going to look around and say, you know, God's not, God's not really on the throne. He's on vacation. If he, was, if he wasn't on vacation, all of this stuff, and what's the point? Besides, the whole world's telling me that there are many ways to God. So why not try something else? This is not working. And these things need not happen to you. I believe the Bible confirms over and over as things get tougher. This is the truth, that those who seek God will find him. That he will give you and me spiritual food and strengthen his people who call on him, no matter what the conditions are in the world. No matter about the increase of sin and lawlessness, when the bottom drops out of everything that you have trusted or taken for granted, those who, who find, seek and find the, that secret place in, in Christ Jesus in God will renew their strengths. Even when everything is just has gone flat, you can find a person like, what was this little, little lady, what was her name? Um, Corey Ten Boom. In the, in, in, you might see in a condition in a, in a place where, where bed bugs and lice and, 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 and torment and torture, she found the peace of God. Now you would say she was a special saint. She drew and she called upon and drew upon the word of God and decided, made a decision to serve him. And even in that place, she found peace and strength. Isaiah 40. Tells us this, you know this passage. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary. And to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired and vigorous and young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait, wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with eagle, wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. 
Do you know this? Do you know this? That we're living in a pretty stable place right now. But we need need to, to be alert. According to the scriptures, we need to be alert. We need to stay alert. What does it mean to stay alert? God can come back. I want to be ready. And the, the things that are happening in the world, can't, I can't allow those things to chisel away at my faith. Because I know that our Savior lives. I know that our God lives and he reigns. Now, some of you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit in forever. You're just kind of like in, in, could I say, in, uh, in automatic. You know the word of God and you, know, you pray whenever you feel like you need to. But the truth is, if you'll just kind of go back in your memory, you know, and, you, and, and in your memory, you, you remember times of spiritual refreshing in your life. <laughs> Those things are still available to you. Those are things are still available to you. You need not think that those were just for people who are brand new believers. You've heard that before, haven't you? All, that, all those feelings, all that strength inside, that's just for brand new believers. God gives you a kickstart. God's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back. He said the promises are yours. All the promises of God are yours in Christ Jesus. And he says, if you wait upon him, he will renew your strength. So as we face, whether it's today, tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, when we face, when we face difficult times, when our world begins to cave in even further, we may all be gone before this thing, before this, this passage kind of pulls itself together. I know uh, Bernice is say, oh no, no, I'm going in the rapture. <laughs> we may be all gone before, God, God's timing is God's timing. But let's walk in faithfulness. Let's walk with our eyes wide open and recognizing evil and holiness and, spirit, and, and God's, God's spiritual hand uh, at work in this world and in us. Amen? I don't know what you got out of this today, but I think that the trick is be on the alert. If you're laying down, if you're in a place, music. If you're in a place right now, if you're in a place right now where you're kind of lethargic, Spiritually, I want you to, to intentionally dig in again and ask God to stir your hearts. To stir my, say, God, stir my heart. You know where I am. You know what I need. Stir my heart. Stir my heart. Stir my heart. Stand with me, if you will. This altar is open. You want a refreshing from God. You want to touch, want to, want to receive a touch from the Holy Spirit. You want to, you might say, restart the engine. However, that's, however you need to hear it. A revival of your own spirit, your, your own heart, your own flesh. God's up to that. He's just waiting for you and me to get hungry enough to want it. Amen.
Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Psalter's open for anyone who wants to pray.